purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. June 1st edition of the show. We are another day closer to first pitch in the Charlottesville Regional as ECU gets ready to face Oklahoma. In fact, the Pirates are practicing now in Charlottesville, Virginia at Davenport Field. Oklahoma will follow in the Army later today. Virginia has already practiced, and they've announced a starting pitcher. We are awaiting news on what East Carolina's plan will be from a starting pitching perspective. Excited for today's show. As always, we're live on YouTube. Live on Facebook, if you've got a question, a comment, anything, drop it there. We'll get to it on today's program. Philip Pilkington is in the studio. He'll join us here shortly. I want to first run over our guest coming up in the second segment. We will visit with a former hero of the 2016 Charlottesville Regional, Charlie Jorgen, the former ECU All-Conference second baseman. He'll join us. He's actually going to be in Charlottesville this weekend, so we'll catch up with Charlie Talk about what he's up to these days. Of course, he had a home run in the regional championship against William & Mary. Had a big hit in that ninth inning comeback in, a, in the eventual walk-off win over the Cavaliers in 2016. So a lot of fond memories from Charlie, who's a Virginia native. So we'll really looking forward to catching up with him. He was always a tremendous sound bite. Probably my favorite interview when I was first starting East Carolina baseball coverage. And uh, I've, I've kept in touch with him some over the years as well. So looking forward to having him. On today's program, Philip Pilkington in the 94.3 The Game Studios. Philip, it's it's almost here, man. We're it just seems like we're we're counting down the hours at this point. Unfortunately, we have to wait a little longer, you know, with the Friday night first pitch. But uh, I'm just ready for some baseball at this point. I am too, and you know, in a way, it does stink to wait another seven hours. But in a way, sometimes it's fun to sit there and kind of watch other teams play. You know, maybe well. I guess they're not getting sent home in his double elimination, but see some other teams have go through some emotions, both positive and negative, and kind of prep yourself for seven o'clock. So there'll be plenty of really good baseball on starting at noon, and I'm sure as while we're on the show, we'll have that uh, Army Virginia game on here. So I'm definitely excited, and like I said, tomorrow is almost like being a kid on Christmas. No doubt, thrilled for tomorrow. We'll be live tomorrow at twelve noon. We'll be following, of course, the. The Army and Virginia game, and then as soon as that wraps up, I'm going to head to Charlottesville. That is the positive about the game being so late at night. I can take my time to get up there. There's plenty of time until first pitch. I'm sure plenty of Pirates will partaking in tailgating uh, activities during that time. But, hey, listen to the show if you're going to be making your way up to Charlottesville in the afternoon. I uh, want to talk some football game times here in a second, Philip, but it did just come out for Virginia. We're still waiting to ECU starting pitching news I think we'll get that uh, at some point today. Again, once ECU wraps up practice, I think we'll hear maybe a starter for Friday's game. But Virginia has announced its starter for the opening game. And, of course, they're taking on Army tomorrow at 12 noon. Kind of the thought process was, hey, are they going to save their ace? Are they going to throw, you know, pitch off and throw somebody that maybe they feel like they can beat Army with without using their top pitcher? So they're going to start Brian Edgington, who's an Elon transfer he actually leads the team in innings pitched and ranks second in strikeouts. Edgington and Nick Parker, the Coastal Carolina transfer, who ECU saw in last year's regional, have kind of switched off as the Friday night guys. Lately, Edgington has been more of a, you know, 
Saturday, Sunday type, and Parker's been the Friday type uh, starter for the Cavaliers. The, the biggest thing, Philip, I want to point out is regardless of who they picked, and they do have an Army transfer as well in the in the rotation who's not pitching, at least starting in this game, they have four capable starters. They're all pretty balanced. So, you know, they don't really have like a Trey Savage dominant ace. So I feel like, yeah, they're going with Edgington maybe over Parker for some strategic reasons, but at the same time, uh, Virginia does it more in numbers rather than just having one guy they kind of rely on. Yeah, they do. And, you know, we kind of mentioned that that seems like they're a team that's built perfect for a regional because of the amount of arms that they have. But, you know, I have to say I'm not really surprised to see this. Um, as you mentioned, Nick Parker, you know, he's played um, – played really well against uh, East Carolina in the past with that regional last year when he's playing for Coastal. But at the end of the day, they know that a starting pitcher is not going to be the reason you go out there and lose to a team like Army. As good as Army is, as good of a four seed as they are, um, there's more to that game than just a starting pitcher. And uh, obviously Nick got some all-conference honors there. So as you mentioned, they are you know, theoretically, all four of those guys, there's not much of a fall off there. But I guess by postseason award standards, he is the better one. And, you know, they would like to probably have him against the better opponent. And obviously, as long as they take care of business against West Point, Oklahoma, or East Carolina, in their mindset, would be a better opponent than the Black Knights of Army. It'll be interesting because Army, I looked over their history. I didn't realize they had made, I think this is either their fifth or sixth straight regional appearance, at least five. Now, they have struggled to win games. Their last win in the postseason came against NC State when they were a four seed in the Raleigh Regional back in 2018. Since then, they've gone 0-2 in each regional appearance, but they have had some close games. So they're, they're going to be a team that doesn't go into Charlottesville intimidated, for sure. They're going to be ready to roll. Uh, very interested to see kind of what their approach is, and it'll be a step up in competition, but I don't think they'll be afraid at all. So we'll get more into, obviously, the regional coverage, and, you know, we'll talk about that with Charlie Jorgen, his thoughts on the matchups and look back and and whatnot. We'll keep our eyes peeled as well for a starting pitcher for East Carolina. We're waiting for that news to come out today as the Pirates practice in Charlottesville. So I wanted to talk about some football news because I kind of hinted yesterday on the air that, Likely we're going to get a you know a few game times because May 31st was kind of the date that college football and ESPN and its and its television partners with all these conferences had circled as the big date to reveal some of these game times and we did get I believe four official game times and a couple other notes as well and the first the big news of course Michigan will be a 12 noon kickoff on Peacock the streaming app owned by NBC. We'll talk about that in a minute. Appalachian State, a 3.30 kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. Gardner-Webb also will be at ESPN Plus broadcast, 6 p.m. kickoff, which was to be expected. And then uh, SMU, the lone midweek game of the season, will be a Thursday night, 7.30 kickoff in Dowdy-Ficklin Stadium. So, any initial thoughts here, Philip, on what we saw? I know we were all kind of looking forward to the to the Michigan game time. I kind of felt it would be like a Fox or you know a major broadcast, and instead we get Peacock, which is part of the new you know Big Ten TV membership uh, rights deal. Yeah, I guess you know maybe they thought, hey, we need to try this out. Obviously, week one, they were going to put some game on it, and so they obviously knew that East Carolina gets good TV ratings, so. 
find out a way to see how the opposing team's fans feel about it, as well as put one of their premier programs on it. Obviously, Michigan is right up there with Ohio State in following. So uh, I guess what better time for them to go ahead and try out the whole Peacock thing. However, I have to say I'm a little disappointed on it being us that got selected for this because I don't believe it's Peacock Premium. It's just normal Peacock. However, I still see some fans having trouble with this. I mean, obviously you got to have a Fire Stick, a Roku, some sort of smart device in order to do this. And I remember when we played Marshall a few years ago, and it was only on Facebook. You know, Twitter and the message boards were just blowing up with fans, you know, especially the older fan base not understanding exactly how to get that game. And that's what I'm a little bit worried about with this one. Yeah, I mean, I... I hate to go down this path, but I feel like this is just something we all need to to get used to as sports fans. I mean, I don't know how much longer cable is going to be around. I, I think ESPN eventually, and I don't know how how soon, but eventually will be all streaming. All of this will be all streaming, and you know, I think the Premier League may be on Peacock already or some other streaming app as far as soccer for those that are into that. And yeah, it is. Uh, WWE, of course, is on Peacock as well. So. They've already kind of, I don't want to say mastered, but have certainly dove into NBC has as far as getting ahead of streaming sports. And I know that it's, it's somewhat annoying. It, it's probably a little bit easier to, hey, just flip on ESPN or ESPNU, ESPN2, and say, hey, there, there's my favorite team. But, you know, we are, we are kind of spoiled, Philip, that every game now we get to view in some capacity. Like, we all moan and groan when it's an ESPN Plus broadcast, and I'm about to do just that when we talk about the App State game. But uh, I feel like we, we we too have to remember how lucky we are that you know there was a day where we, we were only able to watch you know two three games a year maybe there was a, a local broadcast for for the you know city of Greenville now anybody anywhere can turn on ECU Gardner Webb and see the entire game no matter where you are so yeah there there's some pros and cons with it but also think it's it's pretty awesome if you do kind of sit back and, and think about it. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm, I'm like you mentioned, it's great that you can watch any game in the country, no matter who your favorite team is, not only if you're a Pirate fan or anybody else. There are very few games that are no longer televised one way or another. I mean, obviously, now the the junkie thing, everybody's like, cut the cable and, and go to a, a streaming service that's cheaper. Well, now we have to pay for all these other streaming services as well. So it's probably going to all end up being about the same uh, price. However, it is nice. I mean, as you mentioned, you know, it was, um, you know, only if 10, 15 years ago, you might only get two or three ECU games. And I remember learning about this a lot, especially obviously me not being from the area. When Jeff passed away, you know, everybody was talking about, you know, when we were younger, the only way to get ECU games was on the radio. So we're, we're very fortunate this day and time. I mean, it used to be, obviously, all of Notre Dame's games were broadcasted. And if you weren't a Notre Dame fan, there was no guarantee that you were going to get to see all of every single game that your team played. No doubt. Well, ECU and Michigan will – I guess the Pirates will officially make their Peacock debut. I don't know if Michigan appeared last year or not. I think Notre Dame had a few Peacock games. But either way, that will be the, 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 the channel. I don't even know if you can call it a channel, but it will be the destination if you're looking to stream it. It will be on Peacock. Uh, the Marshall game, for whatever reason, the home opener has not been announced. I need to reach out to some people because usually the first few games of the season are announced as far as game time. And it's only one of like four or five games in week two of the college football season scheduled to be on an ESPN platform that has not been revealed. So I'm going to check on that, see when that announcement could come. 
you know, I, I don't think it's a scenario where ECU is going to beat Michigan and then the Pirates are going to be on ESPN, you know, week two. Like, I think they're, for whatever reason, that's just being held for the time being. I was surprised, Philip, that App State, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the kickoff time of 3.30, but I thought I thought this game would be at least an ESPNU. I feel like it's just a, a great showcase game for, for really both conferences, the American and the Sun Belt, since it's at App State, you know, I think it is the Sun Belt's game technically, but both have a TV deal with ESPN. Pretty surprised this did not get a linear network. Uh, your thoughts, too? I mean, it just seems like it's a, a, a really good rivalry kind of waiting to happen. Yeah, I'm with you here. So I actually pulled up the schedule for that week to kind of see what games got it over us. And the ESPNU game is Southern Miss and Tulane. Uh, I understand that both those teams uh, are geographically close to one another. But I would say, you know, ECU app... uh, Probably bigger fan bases, maybe, at least from what we saw from Tulane sure. last year. Um, there, there's probably a decent amount of Southern Miss fans. But, you know, this is an in-state rivalry, so you would definitely think that that would have gotten the nod over that game. Um, from what I'm seeing on ESPN's website, there is no ESPN2 game yet slated for that time. So could changes be coming? Who knows? The only other nationally televised game uh, that's on an ESPN-friendly network that's not the SEC or the ACC network is a game on ABC between South Florida and Alabama and uh don't really think I have to put up much of a reason as to why that game is on national television. So, yeah, I mean, you would think this one would be, you know, one of those bigger channels. This is a game, you know, this is the two teams that played each other a few years back on a Thursday night in an NFL stadium. There were plenty of fans there. I got to go to that one. So I would like to think that maybe this could still get bumped up because there is no ESPN2 thing slated. I mean, obviously, there's other sports going on at this time. I don't know if ESPN's got some other weird deal on September the 16th that I just don't know about other than college football. But, yeah, I have to say I'm a little surprised and a little disappointed that it's just on the plus. Definitely so. And the Gardner-Webb game, you expect it to be on the plus. I mean, there's not a whole lot of demand nationally for Gardner-Webb, East Carolina. And, you know, with that becomes a 6 o'clock kickoff time because when the game, when there's a home game on the plus, ECU really gets to dictate basically what the kickoff time is. They chose 6 o'clock. The SMU game, 7.30, nationally televised. That should be a tremendous atmosphere. The only other real note is that the Navy game, on November 18th, I guess this is changing this year, where CBS Sports Network used to own the rights to Navy home games. Now it looks like it's an ESPN deal. So that will be on the ESPN network of some sort. It just has not been announced uh, quite yet what day or time. So there's your notes there as far as the Navy game. So probably looking at like an ESPN U. I guess it could technically be ESPN Plus as well, um, depending on how that is shaping up late in the season on November 18th. And then the Tulsa game, the the days after Thanksgiving will be either Friday or Saturday, so either Black Friday or that Saturday, and there's four AAC games in that window that ESPN will pick. Two of them will go on Black Friday. Two of them will go on Saturday. So we'll, we'll continue to, to monitor these game times. I'll do some research on Marshall, and we'll also, you know, the rest of the games will probably be 11-day windows in season, so you won't know until the Monday two weeks before the game when ESPN makes his decision. All right, that'll do it for our first segment. Philip Pilkington will be back later. We'll talk about more with the Charlottesville Regional. As Mark Calloway says on YouTube, the guys at D1 Baseball all picked ECU 
to win the Charlottesville Regional. Yeah, I listened to that this morning. That's the kiss of death. We'll get into that conversation later. But on the other side, we'll be joined by Charlie Jorgen, former ECU All-Conference second baseman, a hero in the 2016 Charlottesville Regional. He joins us next. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. The Pirates play here. This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Three, the game. All right, welcome back into the show. Hoist Colors, 94.3, the game. We talked about ECU's football announcements with some game times in segment one. Also touched on the Charlottesville Regional getting word that we'll, we should have a starter named here shortly. We'll talk about that later in the show for the uh, Oklahoma game tomorrow night. But first, we're going to visit with a former Pirates, one of, one of the guys who has been one of my favorite interviews over the years with East Carolina baseball. He is former East Carolina second baseman Charlie Jorgen. Charlie, how you doing these days, man? I go. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm honored to still somehow be on your guest list. This is awesome. So appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. Uh, well, well, first off, before we look back, and you know, we we got to talk about the the 2016 Charlottesville Regional and and go through some of those good vibes, given what's ahead this weekend. But update us, update Pirate Nation on on what Charlie Jorgen's up to these days. Are you still up in Virginia, in your home state, and how's uh how's the life going? Yeah, so I am. Uh, I spent about four years in D.C. Um, and ended up moving back to Richmond, Virginia, just about two years ago. Still with the same firm, um, same role. So loving it, loving being back um, a little further south than D.C. Um, so things are great. It's a, it's an easy drive for me to Charlottesville this weekend. So um, pumped about that as well. Yeah, good, good news for all uh, Virginia Pirates. And of course, Charlie played at East Carolina from 2014 through 2017. Had some awesome moments and. We'll get into some of those shortly. But you are making the trip to Charlottesville this weekend, Charlie. So w- update us on your plans. If, if ECU fans want to meet up with you pregame, uh, where can they find you? Uh, when are you getting in? Uh, plans are fluid, but the, um, the the goal is to get up there mid-Saturday afternoon, hopefully um, find some friendly faces, bounce around a few tailgates, um, and really, really enjoy it. Um, i got to say it's fun being a spectator at these things. Um, for a change of pace. So excited to get out. Hopefully um, see some fellow Pirates out there and just enjoy the atmosphere and uh, hoping to make it a home field-like advantage for us. Yeah, it seems like a lot of, of Pirates, not only former Pirates, Pirate fans are making the trip. Have you? So were you able to get down to Greenville for like past regionals or even last year's Super Regional as well? I, I was able to make, I think it was, I guess it was the, 2019 regional I went down, um, which was unbelievable, but uh, unfortunately couldn't make the other one, so I was stuck watching at home, um, probably pissing off all my neighbors, screaming in the backyard. But um, uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. I'm glad to finally get to one in person. Sucks that it's not in Greenville, but of course we're going to make the most of it. Should be an awesome environment and. Um, Charlottesville is an easy place to travel to, so I'm hope, hoping we get a lot of people up there. No doubt. Charlie Jorgen with us played for ECU back from 2014 through 17. Well, let's talk about the last time ECU was in Charlottesville for regional. You played a big role in that 3-0 weekend regional championship sweep. Of course, everybody remembers the 
the Virginia game. Um, so we might as well start there, the, the nighttime comeback. It wasn't the easiest game because Virginia kind of really controlled the pace throughout that game. What, what do you remember about that ninth inning? I mean, you had a huge hit, I believe a double or a, a run-scoring single at one point that, to really kind of keep the momentum going. But it just seemed like out of nowhere y'all woke up and came back and walked it off. Yeah, I mean, um, such a fun game to talk about and, and, and look back on. But, I mean, I guess my memory is how quickly it happened. Um, I don't know the exact score going into that inning, but it, it seemed like it was – four, five, six, seven, maybe eight at-bats in a row that we just strung together and guys did their jobs. And then you put a guy like Travis Watkins in a position to kind of write the history books, right? And so it really was nothing spectacular outside of, of Travis stepping up, but it's, you know, putting together a handful of quality at-bats in a row, um, a ball falling, a ball bouncing your way, and um I mean, those are those are the moments you live for, and um, I, w- I wish it felt longer than the 30 seconds that it that it feels like to me today. But yeah, it's really just guys <laughs> stepping up, um, putting quality at bats together. And obviously, y'all, you know, when the ball when, when you get a chance to walk off a team like that on their home field, which I, I I don't think will be able to be the case this post postseason. I think they're going back to the top seed to get the home field advantage, but. Like, is that almost even better than, like, walking it off at home? I mean, I feel like it was just everybody was so stunned when Watkins hit that walk-off homer. It was almost, like, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, there, there, there was uh, probably a little added sweetness to that, just um, how how split the stadium was. I mean, the, the Pirates obviously had a great showing out there and fan base, but the majority of people there are, are, are not rooting for you. So to be able to kind of silence everyone all at once and, uh, and again, something that kind of happened pretty quickly and ended abruptly, um, and to be on the right side of that was, was just awesome. Um, so we may not have had the biggest, biggest crowd there. We certainly had the happiest, um, and it was, it was just awesome. We're visiting with Charlie Jorgen. And so the next day against William and Mary, I went back and looked at the highlights. So you hit a home run. And I noticed you got this, like, smooth bat flip going. Like, as soon as you make contact, you almost, like, flip it. And then you did another one in, a, in another conference tournament, I think, the next year. So, like, did you did you practice that, or did that come naturally? Uh, you know, I think I probably blacked out because it was the, the first ball I had barreled in, like, three months. Um, I remember that regional. Um, yeah, that was that, I think that was my one and only home run that year. So, I probably it's probably an out-of-body experience. I can promise you there is there is no bat flipping practice. Um, so cer- certainly wasn't intentional, but I think I think the team now probably has the talent to bat flip um, and practice bat flipping, but we we didn't have that talent six years ago. Well, hey, it looked good. So I, if you didn't practice it, it just came <laughs> naturally to you, man. So. Uh... But no, it's just it's awesome, Charlie, to talk to to you guys. And I talked with Eric Tyler earlier this year after. Duke whooped up on ECU pretty good in the midweek game and, you know, talked to Evan Krasinski every now and then. Um, so many of those guys on those teams, you know, just continue to follow the program and, and you know, whether it be liking stuff or commenting on social media every now and then. It just seems like y'all are still really engaged. How much do y'all keep in contact and, you know, obviously try to get together when you can, but at least, you know, send a text every now and then? Yeah, um, I mean, we're, we're still extremely close um, across the board, but 
really, I mean, it, it, it's just as fun for us now to engage with the program, and there's obviously a sense of pride. Um, I, I mean, I, speaking for myself, there's a ton of pride just looking at how far the program's come in the last six or so years. Um, so it's really fun, and I say engaging with you and, and Cliff and Ronnie um, has been is, is one of the reasons that makes ECU and ECU baseball in particular so special. Um, and the guys on that team, whether they know it or not, will continue to cherish engaging with the fans, talking to you, um, all the small things that you may not kind of appreciate in the moment. Those are the things that, you know, six years later I'm, I'm calling into your show and, and fired up to do it and fired up to have an outlet to talk about the team and talk about Coach G and Palumbo. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a huge sense of pride from, from our class. Um, you know, I, I think Coach G had a quote earlier this, this week about um, just appreciating Bummer not to be in Greenville, but really appreciating the moments. And so you, you look back at his first year and we couldn't fill a travel roster. We had 25 guys on the team. You can travel with 27 to then looking out six years and you look at the accomplishments that, that he and staff and the, the players have put together. Um, just as a, as a collective group, I think our class is extremely proud of, of how the program has evolved over the last six years or so. Yeah, I was going to ask, Charlie, when you, you know, you were recruited, for those that don't know, by Billy Godwin and you signed and played a year under the Billy Godwin regime. And obviously Billy had his highlights as well, but what do you remember about that coaching transition? Because I, I just remember covering the team and hearing like guys were just, I don't want to say quitting, but basically, however many guys entered the fall, there was a lot less coming out of the fall heading into that first spring with ECU under Cliff Goblin for the 2015 uh, season. What do you remember about that transition? And like, were there any moments where you're like, man, this guy isn't messing around? Uh, just take it that time. Yeah, I think I think that moment was about seven seconds in of, of meeting him and the staff. Um, but no, it, it, it really was. Um, I mean, one of the best things that truly ever happened to me was having the new co- coaching staff come in, um, just instilling a culture and a work ethic across the team that it was, you know, you had a day and you had a decision. It was it was buy in or get out, um, and and that culture holds true today. So I, I really do think that it's a difference maker for, for Pirate Baseball is that the culture and the commitment and um, integrity, attitude, everything, energy around the program is something that Coach G and Palumbo and Pete Piscano and, you know, Coach Roselle when he was there all instilled in the players from day one. Um, and it's really something that stuck with, with all of us um, who have gone through and it makes really what makes the place so special um so yeah it was a um we we got crushed all fall we got crushed all spring um in terms of workouts practices but it was awesome uh wouldn't change a second of it so we talked about the the 2016 right yeah no definitely i mean they uh it's amazing that they're still doing what they're doing and even at a, a higher level charlie we talked about the uh the the 2016 regional win and you guys went to Texas Tech, and, and you know we were there. Awesome experience, just to to experience that super regional. And how much do you think about how how close y'all were? I mean, I feel like like it's kind of the the cloud that hangs over the program for you know obvious reasons, not getting to Omaha, but 
Um, like I just remember sitting field level for those extra innings and late innings, and like it seemed like every bounce that could go wrong went wrong when y'all had the winning run in position. Like y'all just y'all played so well, it just didn't go y'all's way. And I think by Sunday, the third game, y'all were spent. But um, I know that that probably isn't the best memory compared to maybe walking off Virginia and winning the Charlottesville Regional, but I'm sure it has to come up every now and then too. Yeah, um, obviously would have have loved to to gotten a bounce to go our way. Um, I think we lost in what thirteen or fourteen innings that Saturday. Um, yeah. but, you know, looking back, it was an unbelievable experience. I mean, I still and we still talk about just how loud how loud it was out at Texas Tech. Um, so it was truly an unbelievable place to play. Um, something we talk about as a group all the time. But I mean, I think. Coach G probably said it best in our post-conference, um, you know, after a devastating loss, is that the story is going to write itself. Um, we were meant to win in Lubbock. We would have won. Um, so, really, it's we can all be proud of and look back and look back at that moment and be thrilled with how it went, but ultimately know that there's more and there's a better ending to the story at some point, um, you know. Every uh, end of the season so far has been tough. You look at last year, I can't imagine what the the guys felt like after that. But, again, um, the story will end. The story will have a happier ending. So it's just a matter of of when that happens. But um, not the best memory, but, of course, has, has been an awesome ride and can't wait to see these guys finish it off. No doubt. I, I'll never forget that atmosphere and still think about it every now and then, just how cool it was to experience that as a reporter. So I know how to be cool as a player. Charlie, have you flipped any, any water coolers lately? Uh, and I can I can share more background on that for people who are like, what are y'all talking about? So have you been flipping any water coolers in uh, in the corporate world recently? No, no, no water coolers in the corporate world. Um and, you know, I, I've probably finally grown up and listened to Coach G and stayed off of Twitter a little bit um, and, and and ignored the keyboard warriors that we seem to have. But, um, I, listen, it's it's all fun. I love engaging with, with everyone there. And, I mean, again, this is it's what makes ECU baseball so special is that how passionate the fan base is. Um, really having you, Cliff, Ronnie, um, JJ McLean, whoever it may be as an outlet to, to have us engage with fans, to have us, um, you know, make it more than just a baseball game is awesome. Um, so it really is something that, that makes the program special. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share one story of Coach G always used to get pissed when we would read stuff. He'd say, if you read it when it's good, you'll, when you believe it when it's good, you'll believe it when it's bad. Um, so we had Bryce Harmon hit a watermelon and film it and post it online because uh, the keyboard warriors were coming at him saying he couldn't hit a watermelon if it was thrown at him. So it's one of those moments where if if no one if people didn't care it wouldn't be as fun. Um, so there there have been no water coolers. Hopefully um, this weekend in Charlottesville we don't need to flip any. But excited to get out there and and connect with everyone. So yeah, so I guess somebody was it. Do you remember if it was on Twitter or on a message board that said basically, "Hey, somebody in the dugout needs to flip some water coolers to get these boys fired up." Like that's where it originated from, right? It's, I, my memory sucks as I get older, but I think it was something. Yeah, like that. yeah, I, th- I think it was something that the team was losing because 
because someone needed to go in there, flip a water cooler, and get everyone fired up. Um, right. Which I, I can tell you, if you flipped a water cooler, that was that you probably would have gotten laughed out of the dugout. So maybe not the the best advice, but um, again, it, it, it's all fun. It's fun engaging with with everyone, regardless of how good or poor their takes may be. There's there's plenty of poor takes, but hey, there's there's a good one every now and then. So yeah, we'll, exactly. uh, but not nah, the fa- fans are the best. So no, we appreciate it. And all right, Charlie, well, this has been fun. And so so you're planning to get up Saturday to Charlottesville. Hopefully, East Carolina takes care of business Friday night in you know Virginia, the favorite against Army. But hopefully, we have an East Carolina baseball game on Saturday night, and we can meet up, do some tailgating, and have have Pirate Nation, have some of the keyboard warriors join us. Maybe we can flip some water cooler yeah. pregame. Yeah, so I so I will be there tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon for sure. Oh, Friday, uh, okay. Yeah, there tomorrow afternoon, hoping to to do a little bit of tailgating, see everyone. Um, so if I can catch you for a beer, I'll hunt you down. Yeah, I'll be there. I, I'll be rolling in around five o'clock, and uh, so we'll do that. All right, so Friday, and then you you'll be hanging out most of the weekend, I assume. Yeah, yeah, TBD on Saturday, but definitely there Friday. Gotcha. Okay. We'll see what the Pirates do, but come say hey to Charlie Jorgen. Maybe he'll get on Twitter to engage with y'all on Friday. Um, <laughs> so we'll have some fun with that. But, Charlie, appreciate the time, man, on today's program, uh, Voice to Colors. We appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll connect down the line, but thanks, man. Maybe we'll see you, see you tomorrow. Yeah. Awesome, I go. Appreciate it. Take care. See you this weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Charlie Jorgen, former East Carolina All-Conference second baseman. Great conversation with Charlie, who played at ECU from 2014 through 2017. All right, on the other side, we'll be rejoined by Philip Pilkington in studio. We'll continue our preview of the Charlottesville Regional coming up as the Pirates get things underway Friday night against Oklahoma. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. Back into the show. Great conversation with Charlie Yorkman, who will be up there tomorrow, former ECU second baseman. So try to hit him up pregame if you can find him somewhere in the parking lot, somewhere in the tailgating lot. Let's have a pirate beverage with a former ECU all-conference second baseman. All right. Want to first run over some news. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, but we just want to reiterate to those who have not heard yet. So uh, Interbanks Media will have coverage of the J.H. Rose Championship Series this weekend against Wes Henderson. Ronald Vincent, the head coach of the Rampants, will be on the Patrick Johnson show today at 5 o'clock, so check that out. But we'll have coverage on Talk 103.7 WTIB. The series gets underway 8 p.m. on Friday. Game 2 will be 2 p.m. on Saturday. Croft Massey and Jackson Searles will be on the call if necessary, there will be a game Sunday. I believe it's either 5 or 8, so stay tuned. If, if there's an if necessary game, we'll have that information and coverage for you as well. But our sponsors for the J.H. Rose Championship Series, Orthopedics East and Sports Medicine Center, Meridian Park Apartments, the Gavigan Agency, the J.H. Rose Athletic Foundation, Wells Fargo Advisors in Greenville, Stadium Sports, the law firm of Hardy, Massey, and Blodgett, Caraway Office Solutions, the Tire Realty Group, Dr. Brian Vincent and Dr. Trey Harris of Vincent Family Dental in Winterville, and Pitt County Schools. So, again, coverage for you this weekend, Rose versus Wes Henderson on Talk 103.7 WTIB. Getting underway, 8 p.m. on Friday, 
and 2 p.m. on Saturday as the Rampants go for another state championship. All right, back inside the studio, we've got Philip Pilkington alongside. We are still awaiting, as ECU is about to wrapping up practice or wrapping it up now, uh, a potential starter being announced. We'll get to that here shortly. I've already heard rumors on who it could be, so if we don't know by the end of the show, maybe I'll, I'll – I'll tease it out there a little bit, but uh, we have we have a, a comment on on Facebook I thought was interesting. Philip Mark Calloway says that the Pirates playing on the road and, and the D1 guys talked about this as well. D1 baseball talked about um, you know playing on the road. Mark says this might free up the guys a little bit to just get out there and play the game. You know, understand the home field advantage and all, but that does add pressure. And he says we've won in Charlottesville in the past. So yeah, Philip. I mean, ideally you'd rather play in Claire, but I do think. You know, we talked about it with Charlie Jorgen. There is kind of the cloud hanging over the program of Omaha and everything. Does it do any good to maybe get on the road and maybe not feel that pressure of playing at home with, with everything hanging over the program? I definitely think it, it can help. Because, um, like you said, there there's more pressure when you're the projected team to win. And, obviously, you know, you mentioned earlier that all the D1 baseball guys picked ECU to win anyway, but there's still something about – when people are tuning in from around the country and they see it at your ballpark and you are playing in front of your fans, that there is that added pressure. And not that Pirate Nation, I don't, you know, will still come out in full force there in Charlottesville. I know plenty of people that are going as fans, not just media members, but uh, I think it does take away a lot of that pressure. And the only thing better than making your crowd loud is silencing a hostile crowd. No doubt. And, uh, you know, we, we do have the schedule, by the way, for the. Charlottesville Regional, of course. We know that uh, that Friday, we already know that the game is going to be at 7 o'clock for ECU. I do want to run over it, though, because we've had some questions. We were even talking about a pre-show, Philip, about what is the schedule for the entire weekend for the Charlottesville Regional. So tomorrow on Friday, Virginian Army get underway at 12 noon. That game will be on ESPN Plus for those that want to watch it. Game 2, ECU versus Oklahoma, will be at 7 o'clock. It will be a quick turnaround for whoever loses that game. It will be 12 noon on Saturday is the scheduled first pitch, and then 6 o'clock for the winner's bracket game on Saturday evening. And then Sunday, the same schedule, 12 noon for the elimination game and 6 o'clock for the first championship game, maybe the only championship game, depending on if the winning team uh, pulls off the victory. And then Monday will be if necessary, both to be determined and television coverage. Um, So – Basically, the only way it gets to Monday is if whoever wins the winner or whoever comes out of the winner's bracket loses that first championship team to the team coming out of the loser's bracket on Sunday evening. And we'll keep an eye on the weather. I think there's a chance of scattered showers going into uh, Saturday evening. But this time of year, you know, things can kind of come and go. But there's your schedule for this weekend. And, uh, you know, interesting to hear. From Charlie Jorgen, I know I know you weren't around, Philip, when when East Carolina uh, when you know won that regional, and I know you weren't covering the team then. But it, it's so amazing to look back at that team, who really, honestly, didn't have many pro prospects at all. Like it was a bunch of scrappy dudes. Charlie's Charlie was one of those. He'll be the first to admit it. Like you know, we were good, but we weren't that the most talented team. And they they found a way to win the regional mainly due to style of play and and just coming up clutch. But now you, you look at the program, how much has come since then. Now you've got legit talent, and you've got guys who are going to go pro. You've got guys like Lane Hoover who still kind of fit that mold of what Cliff Goblin wants in a scrappy, 
you know, underdog mentality type player. So I, I just feel like it, it's it's amazing to see how far the program has come in that in those seven years. Cliff Galvin's still running it, but still the same expectations, maybe even a bit higher. But it just speaks to the job Cliff Galvin has done, really starting with that time when I think the, the program really started to ascend with that regional victory. Yeah, it is a lot of credit to Coach Galvin. It's also a lot of credit to those players. You know, um, there has to be success, and a lot of that is coaching, but a lot of that is the, the product that gets put on the field and those guys playing that scrappy brand of baseball and having success and getting so close to Omaha is what put East Carolina on the map kind of as a national program and I think has allowed Coach Godwin to go out there and recruit some of the players that he has. Some of the guys that we are seeing have a lot of success now in the pros as well as a lot of the guys on this team that uh, should go on to have successful pro careers as well. And I haven't said it yet. I know we've, uh, I don't know if it's been mentioned on the show yet, but shout out to Alec Burleson because he is on the all-star ballot for the St. Louis Cardinals. That's awesome, man. And he had a home run, I believe, over the weekend as well. Uh, you know, continues to do great things for the St. Louis Cardinals. It, it, it's still, I tell you what, you know, I asked Charlie about the Texas Tech Super Regional. I didn't really want to do it, but I had to because I feel like it's it's a storyline. And I remember being next to their dugout, and I had the graphic ready to go, Omaha. And just there were, there were two or three instances where I thought they had won the game, and the ball just bounced the wrong way. Like They had a line drive up the middle that hit off the mound, carry them right to the second baseman with the winning run on third. And it just, you know, it, it's hard to believe they were that close and they still haven't gotten there, but that just speaks to the fickle nature of how hard it is. And I think each time ECU gets a little closer, unfortunately the, the cloud gets a little bigger, but um, whether it's this year, the year of 23, which people have talked about, or, you know, a year not too distant in the future, I think we're going to see the Pirates make it. And I think it's, it's teams like that, teams like this, that every year ECU is going to give themselves a chance, Philip, and it's just a matter of when they break it down. Yeah, and that's, that's the only thing you can ask, right? Put yourself in the opportunity or give yourself the opportunity, put yourself in the position to win, and they do. And uh, obviously you need the talent, but you need luck on your side too a little bit because right now college baseball is – probably the best it's ever been. You know, you look at back in the day, I think you kind of knew who was going to Omaha, or there may be a few teams here and there that could weren't necessarily favored but stood a chance, and we see that still this day in softball. Most of the national seeds, six of the eight national seeds, made it to the College World Series. It is a lot different, the Women's College World Series, excuse me, it is a lot different on the men's side now, so you do need just a little bit of luck, it seems like, to get there as well. And unfortunately, the Pirates really haven't had that, but like you said, maybe 2023 will be the year. He is Philip Pilkington. I'm Stephen Igo. Let's get our final break in. Again, if you got any questions, comments, final comments on social media, drop them. YouTube or Facebook. We'll get to them in our last segment on the other side. We'll also talk about what I'm hearing on the potential Pirates pitching plans for the regional opener. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into our edition, Thursday, June 1st edition of Hoist the Colors. On 94.3 The Game, just got a couple of minutes left with you before we head into game day. We're almost there, Philip. We are twenty-four, less than 24 hours away from the regional starting, about 30 hours or so away from ECU taking on the Oklahoma Sooners in the first Woo! time ever. 
<laughs> in college baseball. Nicely done. Nicely done. Uh, was that was that Clark? Clark Willis behind that the was scenes? Kind of done. Yeah. Well done. I'm ready for it too, Clark. Hey, so we don't have an official announcement yet, Philip. But you know, I feel like we can talk about this because I think it's going to become official any second now. I'm hearing per a couple of different people that more than likely Trey Savage will indeed get the ball for the regional opener against Oklahoma. I expect that to become official here shortly. Do you feel like that's the right call for East Carolina throwing their ace uh, to start off this regional against OU? Uh, you know, we kind of talked about it the other day. I'm okay with going with Trey or Josh. Um, I can see both sides of it, both those guys coming off a week's rest, which is a good thing. Both those guys threw five and some changes. I think one of them threw five and two-thirds, one threw five and a third in that Friday night game against UCF. Trey pounds the zone a little better than Josh, and um, I think, you know, it just seemed like Oklahoma, you can't give them free bases with the way they like to steal bases. So, yeah, I would say I'm okay with the Trey start. Yeah, anytime you got to win game one, I'm all for throwing your ace. And, you know, I think, yeah, it would be nice to save him, but, you know, you don't want to save him and lose game one or have to bring him out of the bullpen. So, you know, throw your best bullet first and then maybe go Sailor, Bill, Spivey, whoever you can on Saturday against UVA. Um, final comments here before we get out of here. Tony Hicks says on YouTube, I never get my hopes up too high. As an ECU fan, he says he's been hurt too many times. The players just got to keep dogging it out as fans, keep supporting the program. Omaha is never going to be easy for any team in the nation. I hope the College World Series is this year. But no matter what, it's going to happen sooner than later. Go Pirates. Couldn't agree more, Tony. As, as long as ECU continues to put itself in this position, as Philip talked about earlier, the Pirates are going to break through. And it's just a matter of getting that break at the right time. Uh, Mark Calloway says, thanks, Stephen, Phillip, and uh, Charlie for the great show today. Go Pirates. And uh, Tony says, great show today as well. So appreciate you guys tuning in and commenting as well. Phillip, we're one day closer, man. We're almost there. And by tomorrow's show, we'll uh, we'll have some baseball to watch. So I'm ready. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean, this, this and the first day of the NCAA basketball tournament are two of my favorite days of the year, and uh, it's special. I enjoy watching the ECU game, don't get me wrong, but the fact that there will be 32 college baseball games tomorrow that all have Omaha, um, you know, trip. Uh, the path to Omaha goes through all 32 of those games is really just special. He is Philip Pilkington. Tomorrow we will be live before I head to Charlottesville. We'll talk with Josh Calloway. He covers Oklahoma baseball for Sooners Illustrated on 24-7 Sports. So we'll get an in-depth preview of Oklahoma for first pitch on Friday night. And we'll also continue our regional coverage as well. All right, this has been fun. Thanks again to Charlie Jorgen, Philip Pilkington, Clark, and Chris Cook behind the scenes as well. We'll be back with you tomorrow on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 again. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.